spiritual warfare. And last week, like he said, we dove into the belt of truth. Our first session, we kind of learned about what is spiritual warfare. So this evening, session three is all going to be about the next piece of armor that Paul talks about in Ephesians called the breastplate of righteousness. Now, Kyle told you if, if, if you guys miss any of these sessions, you can always listen to it on the podcast. I can get you the answer sheet that goes along with these presentations. You, you just let me know if you need anything. Um, now, the previous sessions, like I said, was on the what is spiritual warfare and what is the belt of truth. Now, tonight we're going to go over what is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, our summary for session three is going to be this right here. Uh, we're going to learn why is it that Christ or His righteousness is the ultimate defense for our own heart. And that also being in Him, being in Christ, how is that a defense against the temptations to sin that confronts us daily? So that's going to kind of be our summary for session three. Our scripture memory comes from 2 Corinthians 5.21. And it says, He made the one who did not sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. 2 Corinthians 5.21. So before we can start learning about the breastplate of righteousness, what is it? We first got to learn about what is righteousness? So, what is righteousness? Well, righteousness simply means being or doing what is right. Now, what's the connection between truth and righteousness? Truth is the standard. We found that out last week. Truth is the base. Truth is the foundation. Truth is the standard. And once you know the standard, you know what's right and wrong. Now, the breastplate comes after the belt of truth because there can't be righteousness apart from the truth. So, as a Christian... When we became a Christian, God declares you righteous, as in 2 Corinthians 5.21, and you have been imputed with righteousness. Now, righteousness, we know that it's doing what is right, it's right living. But what does imputed mean? Imputed means to credit. Now, if we put that together... Let me give you an example. If I walk into a car dealership and I want to buy a car, well, if I didn't have any money, if I didn't have any credit, if I was broke, the car dealership 
the person there is probably not going to allow me to buy that car. Let's just say I've got a friend that's got a lot of money, that's a millionaire. And he called that car dealership and, and said, you allow this guy to purchase this car, but on my account, I'll pay for it. So I go back in, and they allow me to purchase that car on someone else's account. Now, once you are saved, Satan can do nothing to change your righteous standing before God because in 2 Corinthians 5.21, we have been imputed with righteousness. So, righteousness is not being perfect. It's living with the, in alignment with the Word of God. I am going to live the way that God has intended me to live. Righteousness is also right-side-up living. If I'm living right-side-up, I'm inviting Christ in my life. I'm inviting Christ in my living. I'm going to do the right thing no matter what. If no one sees me or not, I'm going to meet the standard of living my life the way Jesus lived his life. Now, also, righteousness guards the most vital parts of your life. If you're doing the right thing, and if you're living the right way in accordance to God and his word, you're going to be protected in your life because righteousness guards the most vital parts of our life, of your life. Now, going on before, I'm going to give you three things about righteousness before we go on. Number one, righteousness can be faked, but God nor the enemy is fooled. Let me give you an example here. If you live in a multi-level house, the main level, let's say, is your common area. You have your, your master bedroom, you have your dining room, you have your living room, you have your kitchen. Upstairs are other bedrooms. So if you wanted to invite some friends over, maybe for dinner or just to hang out, probably going to clean that area up that's, that's, that's going to be occupied by your friends that's coming over. So when they get there, they're going to see a clean area, a clean area, uh, the first level. But they don't see the disaster and the mess upstairs. They only see what's right there in front. Now, some Christians are like that. Their life is a disaster. And their life is a mess. But they, they look good in church, though. So righteousness 
can be fake, but God nor the enemy is fooled. Number two, righteousness is first embraced, not earned. We, we try to fix ourselves not realizing that in order to be righteous, you've got to become righteous, and that's a gift from God. It's given to you at the moment of your salvation. You become righteous. So righteousness can be faked. Righteousness is first embraced. And righteousness transforms us from the inside out. Now, let me read Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. And it says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. We need to replace the old habits with new habits. We need to replace the, the old thinking with new thinking. So righteousness transforms us from the inside out. Now, on the flip side, what is unrighteousness? Well, unrighteousness is just the opposite. It's upside-down behavior. It's upside-down living that creates an environment that invites it's upside down, and it creates the environment that allows Satan or the enemy to come in and make himself at home. We choose not to live in the alignment with the Word of God. There's so many that says, I love Jesus, or I love the Word, but outside, they're living this unrighteous, they're living this upside, they had this upside down behavior and they don't live righteous. Also, the enemy's invasion always is always started with an invitation. Now, let me give you an example of what I mean by that. If you leave crumbs or food out, that's an invitation for what? For ants or roaches to come in and just make themselves at home. The way that you're talking, the stuff that you're listening to, is that an invitation for the enemy to just come into your life? Now, unrighteousness is means whatever you feed is going to grow. And I'll give you an example of that in just a second. And whatever you starve dies. Maybe some of you guys are feeding yourself negative thoughts. Well, if you continue to feed yourself that, it's going to continue to grow. So how do I not do that anymore? Well, I've got to make sure that I feed my spirit. And that's equal to righteousness. Well, how do I do that? 
well, I've got to go to church. I've got to get in His Word. That should be the most important thing of your day. That should be the most, the thing that you look forward to on a daily basis is to get in Him, get in His Word, and know it, and feed your spirit. If you feed your flesh, that is unrighteousness. Now, one is protection, and one is an invitation. If you feed your spirit, that's righteousness. But if you feed your flesh, or if you feed the world, that's unrighteousness. Now, my question to you is, which one are you allowing in your life? Are you feeding your spirit, or are you feeding the world, or feeding the flesh? Now, if if you're finding the fingerprints of the enemy on or around your life, you've got to take a step back. And you've got to ask the question, is my life upside down or right side up? Now, also, do I need to realign my life? Do I need to realign my behavior with the truth? And remember, that's the very first piece of armor that we put on last week. Fasten tightly around our waist. So now we know what righteousness is. Now we know what unrighteousness is. So what is the breastplate of righteousness? On the left-hand side is a picture of a first-century Roman soldier. He's all geared up. He's ready for battle. He's got his armor on. On the right-hand side is a picture of the actual breastplate that he, he puts on. Now, when King David asked God to reveal any sins in his life, he prayed, Search me, O God, and know my heart, not my mind, not my soul, but my heart. Now, the Bible associates holiness and righteousness with the heart. And when it came to the piece of armor to guard us, to protect our heart, Paul chose the breastplate. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the armor. The armor from the soldier weighed about 70 to 80 pounds. And most of that weight was carried in that breastplate. I can't imagine having 70 to 80 pounds on me and trying to fight. The breastplate was made of some metal, okay, some bronze, and, but it covered the whole torso, and it protected the vital organs, and it protected the heart. And if that soldier didn't have that breastplate on, he left his heart, he left his vital organs exposed, and he left them unprotected. So that's so important that you have your breastplate on. 
So now, what is the breastplate of righteousness? Paul says in Ephesians 6.14 that we have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, like I said before, once we are fitted with the belt, Paul advises us to proceed with the next item, which is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, Paul was probably, as, as he was writing this, he was in a prison cell, and he was writing to the church of Ephesus. Outside that cell was probably a Roman soldier. And that Roman soldier had all the different pieces of armor on him. So why did they have the breastplate on? Well, the breastplate is a protection for our vital organs. They would say that this is the most crucial piece of armor to put on. The breastplate fits right over our vital organs, including the heart. Now, in today's world, this right here protects police officers. It is worn in a specific place. It's really heavy. And it protects the vital organs and the heart from any type of bullets. Now, the main purpose, like I said, is to guard the heart against the enemy's arrows, against the enemy's darts. So my question now is, why should we protect our heart? Let's take a look at this, this picture right here. On the left-hand side, like I said, is a picture of the armor. On the right-hand side is a picture of the human heart. The human heart is the most vital organ of your body. The size of the heart is about the size of your fist. It weighs about 8 to 12 ounces, and it has a lot of chambers and a lot of walls in a lot of valves, and the main purpose of the heart is to contract and relax. Once it's contracting and relaxing, it's pushing blood throughout the body. In that blood, that blood carries oxygen and nutrients for our life. It gives us life. Your heart beats around 100,000 times on a day, on a daily basis. Every minute, the heart pumps about one and a half gallons of blood throughout your body. So you understand why the heart is one of the most vital organs in your body. So the only reason that the rest of our body can operate is because of our heart. And what our heart does, it stops. If, if the heart stops, everything stops. This is not, this is not tr only true, not only true in your, your 
physical life, in the physical realm, but it's also true in your spiritual realm. Paul tells us in Scripture that your breastplate is righteousness. Now, you need to have the breastplate on if you're going to engage in this thing called spiritual warfare. In Proverbs 4.23, it tells us, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The enemy is, te- or is tempting you to live an unrighteous life, to, re- to live unrighteously. What is that going to do? It's going to expose your heart. It's going to expose your vital organs. And Satan is just looking for that one time that you don't have that breastplate on to shoot that arrow or shoot that dart, not in your physical heart, but in your spiritual heart. So it's super important that you put your breastplate on on a daily basis. Now, as we go on, as the heart is the physical pump that's controlling, like I said, the blood flow throughout the body, the heart is also the spiritual pump that God uses to infuse life in us. Infuse, I looked up, is to feel. So to feel life in us. When we became Christians, the Holy Spirit took residence in us. And we get the breastplate, like I said, from Jesus when we were saved. That's provided for us at the cross. So we need the breastplate so when the devil gets ready and shoots those fiery darts or shoot those fiery arrows at us, and if we have our breastplate on, what does that do? It can't penetrate that. It just bings off, bings off. So that's, that's why the breastplate is so important. The work of the Spirit within us is to pump life into our soul so that Spirit becomes the dominant influencer in the way that we feel, the way that we think, and the way that we do. As the, as the heart pumps blood, the Spirit pumps the truth of God in us. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all the things will be added. Just like this morning, is God your number one priority? Do you truly put Him first in your life? Do you let Him be the dominant influencer in the way that you feel, the way that you think, in the way that you do. We know now that the belt of truth comes before the breastplate of righteousness. Why? Because I said this before, we can't have righteousness. There can't be righteousness apart from the truth. And righteousness is the response from the truth. So, the breastplate of righteousness involves four things, symbolically. And we're going to list those right here. Number one, it symbolizes Christ 
It symbolizes Christ's righteousness. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. When we became Christians, like I said, immediately we are given the righteousness of Christ. Number two, it symbolizes the Christian righteousness. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, it says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Ephesians 4.24 says, And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holy. When we walk on this earth, God wants us to live and walk in righteousness. He needs us to live righteous lives. He wants us to live like we know what it means to live or be in Christ. Number three, it symbolizes consistent righteousness. Ephesians 6.14 says, Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, guys, it's not a one-time thing. It's something that we should do. We, we, it's something that we shouldn't do, and, and it's done. We are to continually put on the breastplate seven days a week. You've got to put it on every single day in order to have this victory in spiritual warfare. Proverbs 4.23, we read that before. It said, guard your hearts. And then the last one, it symbolizes controlled righteousness. Now, the Bible teaches us that we are to make a habit out of living righteous. We are to cultivate these principles in our lives until it becomes a habit. So, the breastplate symbolizes Christ. It symbolizes the Christian. It symbolizes consistent righteousness. And it symbolizes controlled righteousness. Now, how do we put it on? And how do we use it? Number one, we've got to fasten it to the belt of truth. There's an order to what Paul says, put on the armor. He tells us first the belt, and then we should put on the breastplate. The belt, we found out last week, is the base. It's the standard. It's the foundation for the rest of the armor. And then the breastplate is fastened onto that. Now, as we, as we begin to receive the truth about God's Word, we walk differently, we think differently, and we talk differently. Why do we do that? Because you are different. 
I'm going to read first, I'm going to read Colossians right here. Chapter 3, 1 through 5, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is in your life, appears, then you also would appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. When your, where your heart dictates is your lifestyle. What your heart dictates is your priorities. Are you putting him first? Like I said before, is he your number one priority? The second one. We want to turn to God when we face temptation. Now, James 4, 7 calls us to submit ourselves to God. And if we do that, we can resist that the devil, we can resist Satan. He's going to flee from us. So whenever you encounter temptation, we need to turn to him. God gave you the authority to resist him. God declared you as righteous, so you've got to make sure that you wear your breastplate with full confidence. Number three, guard our hearts against the dev against devil scheme against the devil schemes. The breastplate, like I said before, protects our heart, our most vital organ. Now, the human body can withstand damage to certain parts, to certain organs, and still live. But any type of damage to that heart, sometimes you die. And the same is spiritually, too. When our spiritual heart is damaged, then our spiritual life is damaged. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart, for it flows the springs of life. In a Christian understanding, the heart, it's the wellspring of life. And wellspring means bountiful source. So in a Christian understanding, it's the bountiful source of life. Your heart is. Now, just the opposite, we see that Satan is the wellspring of death. So, if we put our breastplate of righteousness on, we can avoid the blows that will lead to spiritual death in our life that come from what? That come from sin. And the last thing right here, is number four. 
avoid what may ensnare us. We all know what triggers our sins. We know what triggers the sins that we personally deal with. No matter what the case, though, we need to avoid anything that entices us to, to sin. Now, sometimes this may make us the odd man out. But we have our spiritual walk at stake. It's better to avoid something that can pull us away from God than to compromise our spiritual walk. So avoid what may ensnare us. As we end up, we know that righteousness comes from God alone. When we accepted Him, He placed righteousness in our life. But righteous living is not a one-and-done deal. We've got to make a conscious commitment to ask God each and every day to steer us away from the temptations of sin and to guide us and be more like Him every day. When you give your life and ask Him to make you the person He wants you to be and give yourself to Him, that kind of commitment you're putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, you've got two pieces of armor now. The belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Those are to be put on every single day. You're ready to go to battle. You have the truth that you believe in and the truthfulness in your heart. You've got the righteousness of Christ. Now, next week... We're going to go over the third piece that you should be, uh, be putting on every single day. And that's the shoes. So those three things, the belt of truth and the breastplate and the shoes are to be put on every single day. Now it's 540. Just as the physical heart is central to our physical well-being, pumping blood, giving us life and functionality in every part of our being. So God has given us a spiritual heart that pumps his life throughout all of our spiritual relationships. And since our battle is spiritual, it becomes the pump that gives us victory. Therefore, God has given us a special piece of armor, the breastplate of righteousness. This righteousness stands as our position with God, which can't be touched by the enemy. It has been eternally settled in heaven. But in order to have victory on earth, our position must be matched with our practice. So once you learn what God's position is and align your life to that position in your practice, God is free through the Holy Spirit to pump his life through your life so that you live life as God intended it to be lived, overriding the enemy's attack, overriding his attempts to bring defeat into your life. Let's find out how this pump works so that your position in heaven becomes your experience on earth as you live out spiritual victory.
to the principle I want to talk about briefly today. He said at the end of verse 14, put on the breastplate of righteousness. So you start with the truth. In other words, you find out what God thinks or says about a matter. That is the first place you should go. He says, I want you to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is simply the standard that God requires for people to become acceptable to him. Righteousness is the standard God requires for people to be acceptable to him. Righteousness is a standard. It is a standard that God holds and that standard is predicated on the truth. Righteousness is really my application of the truth in my everyday life. The truth is the informational base that tells me what the right thing is to do. The opposite to righteousness is wrongness. Okay? Wrongness is functioning, operating, or thinking in opposition to the truth. The truth is whatever God says about a matter. That is the truth, regardless of how many other people agree the other way. Righteousness is my response to that. In basketball, the goal is 10 foot high. It's 10 foot high. That is the standard. That is the standard of the basketball goal if you're playing basketball. If you lower the goal, you've lowered the standard. See, what many people do is they lower the standard, shoot, hit the shot, and think they did something. When they didn't operate by the standard, they adjusted the standard to a level that they could be happy with, shot it in there, and think they were okay. When that wasn't the standard, that was a negotiated standard, that was a human standard, that was a reduced standard, it wasn't the divine standard. And until you operate on God-based truth, which gives you the standard, you don't know whether you hit it right. Righteousness. Righteousness is the application of truth in the life of the believer. And it is meeting a God-based standard. Now, why is this so important? Because we're talking about spiritual warfare, wickedness in heavenly places. And the thing you need to know about this and why righteousness is a major point here is that demons function on wrongness. So he's talking about the spiritual realm. Demons function on wrongness. Wrong is not just wrong. Wrong is demonic invitation. See, wrong is wrong just because it's wrong. But what wrong does is invite demons to join the wrongness. If you've got trash in your house, that's bad because it's trashy. But the trash in your house is not the only bad thing. The trash in your house is an invitation for roaches to come in and to hang out where trash is occupying. So trash is trashy. But trash is also an invitation. So when the, when, the, when the roaches and the ants get a sense that there have been some unaddressed things in the house and food has been left out for an inordinate period of time, one roach tells another roach, we have been invited into the house. So you wind up not now just dealing with trash, you're now dealing with demonic invitation by the trash. 
So what you have to understand is that unrighteousness is demon invitation. So you're not just dealing with the trash. You're dealing with demons who have made themselves at home in trashiness. Okay? So this is why it's spiritual warfare. Remember, the breastplate of righteousness is tied to spiritual warfare. What, what unrighteousness does, not operating by the divine standard, is invite the demonic flow and to block the move of God. Okay? So two things happen with unrighteousness. Demons are invited in and demons make a bad place worse and God is blocked out so that God's flow into the situation is limited because you don't have on a breastplate called righteousness. That is the breastplate or the standard by which God operates. Two things happen. Here, let me say it another way. Unrighteousness gives Satan a legal right to you. He now has a legal right because that is his nature. So you've invited his nature into your world. Okay, so, so, so this is why spiritual warfare is so important and why we must put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the problem with righteousness is that um, God's standard is perfect. And that's the frustration. God's standard is up here. We're living down here. And righteous, unrighteousness can include so many things. It not only includes what you do, it includes the motivation behind doing it. In fact, you can literally do the right thing and contaminate it with the wrong motivation. So now the problem is we got this high righteous standard and we kind of do the best we can, but even the best we can gets flawed by motivations. So I got, I got a couple problems here. I got demons being attracted to my wrong. So I got roaches all over the place. I got ants. I got rats. I got mice. I got, you know, I got, you know, I got demon in all shapes and sizes because I got this trash, okay? But I don't want the demons, which means I got to get rid of the trash. You can, you can go around pray against the roaches all you want. If the trash is still there, they ain't paying attention to the prayer. So you can come to pray to God all you want. If the trash is still there, then, then the prayer's not going to work because the roaches have a legal right to come in. Because you said, you said, I'm feeding you today. Okay? So they've got a legal right to come in. So many of us are being contaminated now with demons, okay, to attached to the trash. So the trash is not the trash. The trash is the trash inviting demons into it, which is why the situation gets so worse. So here's what we settle for. We settle for. Stick with me now. What we settle for is trash management. We know we shouldn't have the trash. And we don't want the roaches. So we try to manage the trash. You, you have somebody coming over to your house and you want it to appear that you're clean. So you throw everything in the closet, you just grab stuff, you just junk it in the closet, you just, just, what you're trying to do is manage junk and keep your trash hidden. See, you want hidden trash because you don't want anybody else to know how trashy you really are. So you go to private trash, okay? That is, you give a form of godliness. You look like, I look like, we look like, 
I got a clean life. I got a clean mind. We dress like it, talk like it, walk like it, act like it. We give the impression of righteousness. Okay? So we give the impression of righteousness so that everybody who comes to visit us will think we are, in fact, you know, I have in my house, many of you have in your house, a trash masher. Okay? That means I can dump trash in and it'll flatten it to take more trash. And so you keep piling it in and piling it in and flatten it and flatten it when all you've done is accumulated trash, but you've gotten a management system in place. So you manage it the best way you can. The problem is, Sister Evans smells it. If I hadn't taken it out. She got this trash scent. So she knows that there's trash even if the trash is not visible because there is a standard that has a scent to it. Well, God has an unrighteousness scent. So even if you manage your trash, pack it down, hide it, put it in the closet, the garage, the attic, God still knows it's trash. And all demons have done is just gone to the closet where the trash is. They, they haven't left the premises because they know that the unrighteousness is still occupying the space. So this presents a problem. I'm presenting to us a real problem today, and that is this, this unrighteousness that, that, is, that is surrounding us. And, the, and what makes it worse, what makes it worse is that God won't grade on the curve. Remember in school, if you failed, you hope everybody failed. You want everybody to fail so that they would have to be forced to grade on the curve. That's why you got mad at that righteous nerd. You got mad at that righteous nerd who come up and go come up with a hundred and break the curve. Measure you mad at him because he studied. You mad at him because he made a hundred because his hundred made you look bad. Okay. So, but the problem is God does not grade on the curve. In other words, He doesn't lower the goal. He doesn't lower the standard. His standard is perfection. Now, so the question is, if righteousness keeps demons away and allows God to flow in my life predicated on truth because that's the only way you know it's right but God doesn't lower his standard how do I get this righteousness operating breastplate he says put on the breastplate of righteousness it's the first three items have the verb to be, having the breastplate of righteousness. The last three have the verb to take, take. So the first three you keep on all the time. The last three you pick up as needed. So you keep your belt of truth on all the time. You always want to know God's perspective. Having the breastplate of righteousness, you keep this on all the time. You dress for success, okay? Now, why does he call righteousness a breastplate? A breastplate is basically a chest protector. It's a chest protect. It protects your chest. Now, why do you want to protect your chest? Because then your chest is your heart. Why do you want to protect your heart? Because all of life flow banks on that. Because, see, the only, the only reason the rest of you works is because the heart pumps. Once the heart stops, everything stops. Because the life of the flesh is in the blood, but the blood gives the flesh life because it's got a pump. 
the job of the heart is to pump life into the rest of you. If the heart is not working right, the blood is not flowing right. If the blood is not flowing right, the rest of you is not working right. Unless the heart is right, the flow to the rest of you will be wrong. The job of the heart, breastplate, behind the chest, heart, is to ba-boom, 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 to pump life into you. To pump life into you. Well, for every spiritual principle, there's a physical counterpart so we can understand the spiritual principle. We have a physical heart so we understand the physical principle. Well, behind that is a spiritual principle. That's why the Bible says so much about the heart. It talks about the heart because that's the spiritual pump to pump the life of God into you. God will not change his standard. He's not going to adjust because of his nature, his perfection. Religion will only help you to manage sin. And managing sin is not all bad. I mean, you don't want a person who's a murderer just doing what they do. You want them to manage their impulses, okay? So, you, so, so management, management isn't all bad, but it doesn't solve the root problem. Okay, To tell me to stop doing something is the right thing to do. I ought to stop doing that. And I may stop doing it because I'm not supposed to do it or I don't want to go to jail or whatever. But, and I may stop doing it. But you haven't solved my propensity toward it, my desire toward it, my history with it because I've been dealing with it for 20 years or whatever it is because we have not gotten to the heart of the matter yet. He says it must come from the heart. Donuts can camouflage hunger, but it provides absolutely no nutritional value. I, I, I shared with you one time I was on a, a cruise and I had a toothache. I, I got this toothache on the cruise and this toothache was killing me. This toothache was killing me. And I'm taking everything I can take. I'm taking all kind, you know, all kind of stuff to, to get rid of this toothache and absolutely nothing is working. And I called back to my dentist here in Dallas and he says, the reason you know, it's hurting for a while, then it goes away for three hours, then it comes back and it's hurting for a while. He says, the reason, and I looked at your x-rays, he says, the reason is you have an infection. And he says, all your pills are doing is masking the infection. But then it comes right back again because the infection is the problem. The toothache is the symptom. You're trying to stop the ache without dealing with the infection so you get temporary relief. So we come to church and get a little temporary relief. You know, we go to uh, special events and get a little temporary relief. But the thing keeps coming back because there is an infection, a heart disease, that has gone unaddressed. He says, put on your breastplate of righteousness, which is the heart disease. Now, uh, which is the uh, uh, dealing with the heart. So then, how does this work? How do we begin to see this? Look, look at what he says. Turn back a page to chapter 4 where he brings this together. Verse 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus. So we got truth. 
that is reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, who you used to be, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, there's our deception, and you have been renewed in the spirit, here's the spirit, the spirit of the mind, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness, holiness, and of the truth. So what he says is, if you start with the truth, what God says about a matter, here it is, that's where you start. This is what you say, God. God has already deposited a righteous seed within you called the Spirit. In this righteous seed, your job is to go back to the truth and recite the truth because only the truth sets you free. What does God say about the matter? When you rehearse the truth over and over and over, not just hear it preached, because you're going to forget this. When you rehearse the truth, it sucks into your spirit because your spirit only has truth. Guess what's in your spirit? Righteousness. Okay? Righteousness, complete righteousness, perfect righteousness has already been deposited in your spirit. When you Take the truth over and over and over again when you meditate on it, when you quote it, when you think it. Let me give you the opposite to meditation because everybody can deal with this. Because the Bible says so much about meditating on the truth. Uh, worry. Worry is the negative form of meditation. So have you ever worried about something over and over and over again? Well, that was negative meditation. You just kept throwing it over. What happens the more you worry about something? The more you worry about something, the more you worry about something. In other words, worry gives you more worry. Because now you're not only worried about what you were worried about, you're worried about worrying about what you were worried about. Because worrying invites more worry. And the more worry you add on top of worry, the worse you feel because worry has now been magnified in your soul. So now your soul's all out of it. You're, you're depressed, you're discouraged, you're disappointed because you have now meditated worry. And worry has taken it in. And you thought about it when you woke up. And you thought about it while you were getting dressed. And you thought about it when you went to breakfast. And you thought about it as you were driving to work. And you couldn't get rid of it all day at work. Then you took pills to forget about it. But then when the pills wore off, you remembered it again. Then you couldn't sleep at night because you kept worrying about it. And now you're tired and worried when you wake up the next day. So now you're evil and mad because because worry has controlled you. So you worried about it and worry kept growing and growing and growing. In other words, when you meditated on worry, worry took over. Well, when the Bible talks about meditating on the truth, the same result the different goal. Now you take the truth, what God says about it. You memorize it. You think about it. You rotate on it. You go, you, so that it penetrates the heart. In other words, many of you will take this truth today and it will hit your body. It will hit your ears and it will stop there. It'll be gone before you hit the parking lot so it will be of no value to you. Some of you will take it further than the body. You will take it into the soul. So you will say, yeah, I'm going to think about this. And yeah, you know, did you hear the sermon today? And maybe you'll, you'll even uh, uh, get a tape and, and listen to it again. So it gets down to the soul level. The problem with the soul is the soul is contaminated because the soul has been contaminated by sin. So the soul is going to fight against the new information being introduced to it. So you may or may not keep it. But what the, what the information can't do 
it's jeopardized the spirit because you've been sealed with the spirit. The, your, your spirit cannot take in any contaminated information. Your spirit can only take in the truth. That's the only thing that can penetrate the spirit realm because it's the God realm. It's the perfect realm. It's the realm with the standard. So when you take the truth and you shove it down, that's why Jesus would always say, he that hath an ear, let him hear. He doesn't mean hear with your outer ear, hear with your inner ear. When you take the truth and you drive that thing down and drive that thing down and drive that thing down and you won't let it go like Jacob wrestling with the angel. I ain't gonna let you go till this truth sinks in and goes deeper and goes deeper and goes deeper and goes deeper. Once that truth is caught by the spirit, it's yanked in. When the spirit yanks that truth in, there is a relief valve that opens up. This release valve sends righteousness out. So the righteousness that's in the spirit flows out into the soul. So the soul is now becoming transformed, not because your body made it different, but because the spirit released righteousness into the soul. When the soul grabs the righteousness that's been released by the spirit, it then tells the body, you got to walk different, talk different, think different, act different, because I'm now your boss and I'm telling you what to do. And since the body listens to the soul and and the soul now listens to the spirit you wind up being transformed and you wonder what happened to you because you have on the breastplate of righteousness that's what it means James 4 7 submit to the Lord and the devil will flee from you the devil doesn't flee from you because you tell the devil leave me that's like you talking to a roach saying get out of here that roach is not going anywhere because they hear your voice uh, you know, you know, Jesus, 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 and like that. No, 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 no. Unless the spirit dictates to the soul and the soul dictates to the body, all you can do is manage unrighteousness. You can't be transformed. And we're trying to be transformed. We're not just trying to manage our badness better. And so he says, look into the mirror and see your natural face there. Mirror referring to the word of God. Okay, let me explain this. Nobody in here knows what you look like. You don't know what you look like without a mirror. You don't know what you look like without a mirror, okay? You know what people tell you you look like, but you can't see you. You can't see your face. You don't know your face without a mirror. You go to a mirror for the mirror to tell you the truth. That's what you go to the mirror for. Now, you may not like what it tells you, but you can't talk about you unless you see a reflection. That's the only way you can talk about what you look like because you've seen a reflection showing back to you what you look like. Okay? You can't fix you. You can't judge you because you don't even know what you look like in the spirit world unless you get a reflection. The Bible says God's word will reflect on what you look like. Now, you may think you're a pretty little saint. You may think you're a godly little Christian. You may think you're a little nice little, little uh, uh, follower of Jesus Christ. But when you look in the mirror, it may say you ugly. Because look at your heart. Look at the things you think. Look at the things you want. Look at the things you do. So the mirror will tell you the truth. Now, you can look at the mirror and disregard it. Or you can stay in the mirror till the mirror tells you you're okay. And you know a woman, a woman will stay in the mirror till the mirror tells her she's okay. Okay? 
uh, all these purses got compacts in them because a woman will carry her mirror with her because she ain't, she ain't, she ain't going to go too long without making sure she okay. A woman will meditate in a mirror. Over and over and over and over again to make sure she's okay. That's what the Bible says the word of God is. The word of God is a mirror. So here's what we're saying. If you accept the truth, and you agree that that's God's standard, and you drive that truth in, the fastest way to get over an addiction is not simple. Not to say I'm not going to do it anymore. I mean, that's a good thing to say, but you don't have the power to pull off what you just said, because if you had the power, it wouldn't be an addiction. Okay. So, so that's not the power to get over it. That's managing. And okay, manage it, but don't just only manage it. Drive the truth down to the spirit level. Drive it, drive it, drive it, drive it, drive it. Because once the truth gets down there and God opens up the release valve, he releases righteousness. So you're righteous from the heart and not just from the feet. You're righteous in the thought not just in the action. Let's say I told you you have $10,000. No, let's go up. That's cheap. Let's say I have, I, I buried $100,000 in your backyard. I buried $100,000 in your backyard. As soon as church is over, if you believed me, as soon as you, you ain't going to greet nobody, you're not going to say, bless you, praise the Lord. Yeah, none of that. You leaving here. You going to run to your car when you hear, I have buried in your backyard a hundred thousand dollars and you going to get a shovel and you going to Tear that yard up. You're going to tear that yard up. Having to use the shovel will not be a problem. You will dig as deep as you need to deep, uh, dig for as long as you need to do it because something of inestimable value has been buried deep down in your backyard. Every effort you put forth to get to that 100,000 will be worth it because it's so valuable. Once you dig that baby up out of there, you can use it for so much more. You're going to change your clothes, take off that old new nice looking. You don't care about looking cute. You now want to get down to get this thing up out of the ground. When you got saved, God deposited deep down within your soul all the righteousness that belongs to Jesus Christ. But you can't benefit from it unless you're willing to go down there and drive the truth down there and dig that stuff up 
so that God can release a brand new you under the breastplate of righteousness so that your heart goes and it's pumping righteous thoughts and righteous actions and righteous talk and righteous touch and righteousness is popping up where you never thought it could be not perfectly because we're still in our bodies but progressively because our soul is being transformed by the goodness and glory of God wished he'd repeat that one more time. Now, that's good. It's good. I just couldn't get it all. It's coming out so fast. But it's good. Righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Worry is negative meditation. When you meditate it, when you meditate on worry and meditate on it and meditate on it, it takes over your spirit. Now, that's true. It really does. Truth is the same. If you drive the truth in, down to the spirit level, God releases that righteousness. So we want to be right. We want to do right. And, um, and God expects us to do right. But uh, we have to depend on the spirit, and then we have to protect. We have to protect. We have that breastplate of righteousness that, that protects our heart. Um, you know, uh, we've all had a heart transplant when we got saved. We got a new heart. And, uh, and so we, uh, we depend on that spiritual heart to, to direct us and to guide us and where we can maintain that righteousness that God, God wants us to have. And he pours it into our life if we keep digging, keep digging and desiring that. Thanks, Shane, for sharing with us tonight. And uh, thank all of you for being here. Hope you have a good week. I hope you'll be back Wednesday night, if all possible. Um, pray, if you will, for... We had the prayer vigil today at the, at the elementary school, and uh, we had a, a good attendance. I guess there's five or six preachers, and all of us had an opportunity to share and pray. And I believe perhaps all the faculty was there, and probably around 40 or 50 more line the walls of the um, elementary gym. So just pray for Jacob Williams' family. Understand that his dad's a truck driver, and um, he was on the way in. I think he's cross-country trucker, and he was trying to get here to help make the arrangements. And So they haven't been made yet. They're waiting uh, for him to get here. So pray for his safety. Pray for the school tomorrow because I know that faculty, the administration faculty are going to have maybe a tough day and so we